Today we will return to this book of Luke, and we'll again be following along with the Lord Jesus as he travels about the countryside of Galilee, preaching and teaching and healing the people that he encountered along his way. And we can't help but marvel at the loving compassion that flows out from his heart towards those hurting and suffering people that he encountered. And we're reminded by these words that that same loving and compassionate grace of God is also being poured out on each of us, on you and me, as we go throughout our days, helping us, blessing us, comforting us, protecting us, giving us everything that we need for our daily lives. And as we've been saying over these past few weeks, we need to remember that God's compassionate, loving care doesn't just come because he keeps close watch upon us. He does that, yes. And a lot of folks seem to believe that that's what takes place. But we need to always remember that God is omniscient. He's omniscient. He doesn't live within the same time frame that you and I live within. And none of these matters that we encounter each day are random. None of them catch him unaware. Our God is much bigger than that. Everything that takes place, folks, really is part of a plan that God is working out. And yes, that sounds unlikely to us, even impossible. And a lot of folks don't necessarily want to believe it that way, considering how we exercise our own free will to do most all of the things that take place each day. But we need to keep in mind that mysterious concept that we've talked about often from this pulpit, that understanding that while, yes, we are always busily working out those matters of our daily life, there's also a concurrent activity always taking place between God's guiding hands and our own personal human behaviors. Our Westminster theologians of the past described that concept as God being the first cause, the first cause of all that takes place. And then our free will responses, our free will involvements being a secondary cause. God initiating the things that take place, but then our working within his first causes. Sounds complicated. And I confess that I don't personally comprehend it too well, but I do believe it. I do believe it. Otherwise, all the events that take place within our world each day would be random. And they'd be willy-nilly. And that would mean that God would have to run along behind every person on the earth, straightening out our continual messes that we make in life. Now, I offer these thoughts because within the first few words of our scripture passage today that I'll read for us in a moment, it would seem that the circumstance that Jesus encountered involving this funeral procession for a young man that had just died was one of happenstance, a random and even unexpected occurrence. But let me say again that with God, such encounters are never random. They're never random. They're never unexpected. That God is intentionally bringing about circumstances and opportunities in order to display His glory and His power. And here in this passage, He's showing the compassion that flows out through His heart 
to these people at every moment of every day. Listen to these words. Luke chapter 7, beginning in verse 11. Soon afterwards, now this is just after Jesus had healed the centurion's servant. Soon afterward, he went to a town called Nain. And his disciples and a great crowd went with him. And as he drew near the gate of the town, behold, a man who had died was being carried out. The only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a considerable crowd from the town was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, Do not weep. Then he came up and he touched the coffin and the bearer stood still. And he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak. And Jesus then gave him to his mother. And fear seized them all. And they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has arisen among us. And God has visited his people. And this report about him spread throughout the whole of Judea and all of the surrounding country. Now, may I say again that the grace of God is being poured out upon every one of us every moment of every day, blessing us and protecting us and providing for us and giving us everything that we need for life and godliness. And folks, his kindness is not just extended to those of us who have given our lives to him in salvation. We're told, if you'll remember, we studied not too long ago in chapter 6, we're told there that God is also kind to the ungrateful and even to the people who are evil. But especially for those of us who have given our hearts to Christ in salvation, God is gracious and he's kind beyond measure. And he not only meets the needs within the ordinary matters of daily life, folks, he also and especially reaches in and meets the needs of our souls. We can suffer a lot in our temporal situations, but the Lord Jesus wants to reach on in and meet the needs of our souls. And he tells us that in Second Peter chapter 1. Listen to these words. He tells us there, His divine power has given us everything that we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Those are such precious words. That's a gift to us from the heart of God. Precious words. And the pouring out of God's mercy and grace does not ever cease. It does not ever cease. His mercy and His grace, are, they're an ever-flowing stream of Sweet provision covering over and saturating every crevice within our being. That's part of the significance of these words of this passage. Recall that in the words just preceding these again that Jesus had blessed and rewarded that centurion for his great faith and his humility by healing the man's beloved servant. Now here in this passage on the very next day. Jesus again poured out this compassionate mercy and grace upon another suffering soul, this time a grieving mother. And how assuring it is to us to know that God does never take a day off in his loving ministry of mercy and grace. None of us would be able to survive even for one moment without his loving provision. Unfortunately, For most of us, perhaps even 
for many of the most devout of believing Christians, we've gotten so accustomed to God's gracious flow of mercy and grace that we think very little about it. We simply receive it without thought, without thank you, and then we go on about our busy day. And God has been pouring out wonderful grace and mercy upon us. It's only usually when we're brought back to real reality by some painful suffering or grief that our heart and our mind stops to remember from whence our help comes. Our loving provider of all good things, the Lord Jesus. He's the one that's behind that hand of grace and mercy. And God's mercy and grace is not only continual, it's also full and it's complete. It takes everything into consideration. Here a young man has died and his body was being carried in a coffin to the cemetery. And in that procession were grieving friends and relatives, and especially this young man's mother. Now the mother's grief was certainly for her because of her dear son and his death. But beneath the surface of her grief for him was also, no doubt, another form of grief, a grief for herself. She had not only lost a beloved son, she's said here to also be a widow. Folks, when the Lord puts those phrases within the verses, there's a reason for it. The Lord wanted us to know that she was also a widow, which meant that she would also be fearful about her future provision and support during her old age. Because in that culture, they depended upon their children for their support as they grew older. Now, there's no indication that Jesus knew these people personally. But as we know, that does not matter. We know from other passages in these scriptures that Jesus was able to perceive, to know the thoughts within every mind of every person around him. And so he knew their thoughts. And he knew that the death of this woman's son held all sorts of grief and fears for her. And that stirred up compassion within him. This is especially important for you and me to know and to be confident in. Folks, God is especially concerned and compassionate towards widows and orphans. And he tells us so. He loves and he watches over them. Some of you are both widows and also orphans. He loves and watches over you every moment, always reaching out ahead of you to meet your needs. And he was doing that in this circumstance here with his grieving widow. With great pity and compassion, he reached out his hand and he met her deeper needs. But let me return for a moment to our thoughts on this unceasing flow of mercy and grace that God pours out upon all of us each day. Folks, unseen and hidden within all the daily occurrences of what our scientific community would call nature, there's interlaced the moment-by-moment acts of loving mercy and grace that's flowing out from the heart of God. And it's far more obvious and simple than we imagine. It's the air that we breathe, the cycle of life that we observe taking place, to provide us our food, drink, and even sweet compassion and comfort shown to us by friends in times of situations like here with this mother's grief. Listen, those are not acts of nature. 
Those are not acts of nature. Nature does not have a heart or a mind to care about us. The naturalists who assign a life force to nature, they're wrong. They're wrong. They're misguided. They're pitiable in their foolish wisdom of lies. All of those loving provisions are, in truth, sweet gifts of love and mercy and grace that's being poured out from the heart of God out onto the ones who most need it at the moment. In this case, this grieving mother. And yes, God does use other vessels. He, he will use acts of nature and also uh, people, especially. But we need always to remember that love, mercy, and grace can never originate within nature. It cannot. There's nothing within nature for it to originate within. And neither can it originate within the hearts of men. Folks, you and I, by our own nature, that sin nature that we're born with, we're self-centered. We're self-centered creatures. We're self-seeking. We are self-providing. So often, so much so, that we have very little time for another person's grief or suffering. Yes, we might stop and help them some, but not as people would think. It's only as the Spirit of God flows His mercy and His grace through the hearts of people like you and me that we can become agents then of love and care. It comes from Him. And by the way, those caring things, they don't only take place within believing Christians. God really can and does often use unbelievers. He'll use unbelievers even often more than us who believe. He can use even the most wretched of sinner to bring us what we need in our times of need. Simply put, God can use any vessel that He chooses to carry forward His love and His compassion, His plan and His will. And you can easily see that taking place within the many blessings and provisions that are available to you and me and in all the venues of our daily life. Our wonderful health care system that so many of us have been using lately. Often, those services are being provided by people who don't acknowledge the Lordship of Christ. They don't even know the Lord, but He enables them to help us. And it's the same thing with all the other services that we receive, banking services, legal systems, our government. Folks, men and women who often demonstrate very ungodly behavior they nonetheless bring very beneficial blessings to each of us. But again, you and I must always know without hesitation that the first cause, listen, the first cause, the first heart, the first hand within all the mercy and grace that's being poured out upon us comes ever and always from the loving and the compassionate hands and heart of God. They come from the compassionate heart of God. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't God simply wonderful? And with sweet understanding of our inability to easily recognize His personal hand in all these things, here in this passage, the Lord Jesus then very graciously is showing to us, He's letting us watch as He mercifully and, and with great grace reaches out and touches this dear woman's son. Nobody else involved. Just Him. He wants us to know that He is the first cause of this that's taking place. And so with His own personal touch and healing hand, 
He blessed this dear woman, the greatest of physicians. He raised her son from the dead. Here Jesus is shown to us as also just walking among common ordinary people, just like you and me, seeing their suffering, seeing their grief, their needs, and reaching out his hand to satisfy their needs. And what he's doing is he's telling us that there is a greater truth that you and I, now 2,000 years later, as we observe this in the scriptures, that he's actually doing that very same thing with you and me, even right at this moment and at every moment. Jesus truly is Emmanuel. Jesus is God with us. And these people were proclaiming that truth when they said here in these words that God has visited his people. Jesus truly is Emmanuel, God with us. But the greater truth, listen, the greater truth is God is still with us today. Yes, he was among them at that time. And yes, he died on the cross. And yes, he ascended into heaven. But the mysteries of God reach on beyond our ordinary understanding of these things. He was then, but he is also still now, Emmanuel. That's what that word means, Emmanuel, God with us. And he's right now within our midst, right at this moment. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Can you accept that? Jesus is with you and me today just as much as he was with those people then. The Spirit of Christ is living and active and walking among us on our own streets, in our homes, observing our sufferings, observing our griefs, reaching out his hand and touching us, touching our sons and our daughters. And he's healing our diseases and blessing and protecting us every moment. And just because we can't see his face or feel his hand touching us, that doesn't mean that he's not here. He truly is here now, ministering his mercy and his grace every moment. Folks, I've got to tell you, that makes me want to raise my hand in praise to the Lord. Because I believe it. I believe it. And listen also, his provision covers every possibility. The dear mother, she was grieving the loss of her only and beloved son. And while her grief at the moment seemed unbearable to her, he knew that with great love and compassion that she was going to need her son back for her later years. And by bringing this young man back to life, Jesus not only satisfied that woman's immediate grief and suffering, his gift reached many years ahead of her and made provisions for all of her needs in those years as an aging widow. And again, this gift of mercy and grace is boundless. And it even reached on past the needs of this dear woman and her son. It reached on out into the lives of that crowd of people that were walking along with them. Did you note in the words that I read that as Jesus raised that young man from his death, that it brought about great fear. It's said here that it brought about great fear in the hearts of those onlookers. And folks, that was also an act of great compassion because fear... Fear is a, is a powerful messenger to an unbelieving soul. We're told in the book of Proverbs that fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And that fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And that fear of the Lord prolongs our days and on and on. Fear of the Lord allows great and wonderful changes to take place within the souls of men and women. 
you and me, changing us in ways that would otherwise not take place. Those people watched as Jesus just reached out his hand and simply touched that coffin. And then miraculously, he spoke life back into the body of that dead young man. Now, no doubt, some of those people that were there would have remembered the scripture verses that they had been taught perhaps in their synagogues about the prophet Ezekiel. You remember there uh, in the book of Ezekiel when God enabled Ezekiel to speak life back into dry and dead bones. Perhaps that's why they made the statement that a prophet had been raised up among them. But listen, it is not a prophet and it's not us preachers or any of the preachers that seem to try to claim that they can do this themselves with special gifts. It's not prophets and preachers that do such things. Prophets and preachers are simply messengers, messengers of the Most High God, emissaries that are sent to do His bidding. Jesus was a prophet, yes, but He was Himself also the Most High God. And He could do far more than simply speak life back into the body of a dead person. We know from these scriptures that Jesus is the one in the Trinity who had spoken everything into existence. And he was also the one who breathed life into that first young man, Adam, and he became a living being. So this opportunity to breathe life, to speak life back into this young man was an easy thing for him to do. But again, the benefits did not stop at simply raising that young man back to life. By Jesus' doing that, it struck fear into the hearts of the people and gave them one more reason. One more reason to know and to believe that God truly was among them. And that he wanted to reach into their souls and to bring life to them. Eternal life. That's why he came to earth. And here it seemed that the people were beginning to understand because they responded and it said that they glorified God. What a wonderful response. Let me close. I'd like to give this same admonishment to you and me. Jesus wants to reach out and to touch you and me and to bring real life into our souls. Not just temporal life. He wants to bring real life into our souls. And all we have to do to be receptive is to open our hearts to Him and freely invite Him to bring His life into our souls. And He'll do that for us. He'll do that for us. So let's you and me pray that as we pray. Let's bow in prayer.